Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's just me this week up top. The full episode has Meg in it, but it's just me. This is good to see you. I'm Harrison. Meg is on vacation. I'm literally about to go get on a plane in like a few hours. So that's sort of why there's no me and Meg up top today. Uh, this week, though, we have such a freaking awesome episode. Uh, we're talking to Frank Britton, who is kind of a, a legend in the DC theater scene and a really uh, a just kind, generous, uh, wonderful human being that uh, Meg and I were so stoked to finally get on the pod. And this is a really great episode with a lot of like great tales about um, days gone by in DC theater. And so if, if you like that kind of stuff, you're going to really, really love this one. And, and also just like Frank's spirit is so... Uh, uplifting and so i think even if you're not a big uh a big theater person you'll still really like this one so there's no pre-post or there's no post pre-post there's a pre happening right now i am pre but there is no post um so we'll do a check-in and we'll get all our fact checks in next week when we're back but we wanted to make sure we got this episode out and uh i'm gotta go so enjoy the episode have some fun do me a quick favor real quick um, if you'll go to Spotify and follow my band Baseball Hat, that's the only plug that I have this week. Everything else will be up in the show notes. Thank you to Frank, um, and enjoy this episode, and thank you to you. Bye, enjoy. Woke up this morning, didn't know what to do, so I looked around, then I saw you, yeah, it's good to see you. Hey, Meg. Hey. Hey, Harrison. How are y'all? Good, good, good. So How good. are you? I'm doing okay. Still just trying to keep everything together. Hey, that's, uh, th- that's like all you can ask for these days. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, um, uh, have you and Meg, you and Meg have met each other, yes? Right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just making sure. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know who knows who, who has met who. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Usually, yeah, always like in the social setting, like number of times. Mm-hmm. Cool. <clears throat> I saw, um, I saw on Facebook, I think you're back on stage, right? Yeah. How's that been? Uh, thank you. It's been, it's been fun like you know it hasn't felt strange um, right you know it's, it's been almost three years since i've done the show in the dc area and oh, wow. um so i was like yeah and honestly you know i was just doing my best to keep being motivated to prepare for this upcoming season if folks were looking for actors mm-hmm. for anything and i was and then uh Rorschach messaged me uh two weeks ago and asked if I could jump in. And this is the second day of tech for their production. And this is outdoor theater too. And, uh, and I hadn't done that in a while. And so I was like, sure, you know, and this is one of my artistic home bases. I've been a company member there for many years. Uh, did my first show with them, wow, nearly 20 years ago. And uh, so it's been, it's been fun. It's been so much fun. Uh, and I love an active challenge. So this was definitely a challenge because it took me tech, well, I came the second day of tech, and I just immediately jumped in, uh, mm-hmm. had the script, and I was on book for several days. 
And actually through the end of the week, uh, that week, and then we got rained out the following performance. So when we came back, I was off book. And uh, mostly off book. <laughs> the first day, like, mostly, mostly yeah. off book. And um, it's, been, it's been fun. It's been lots of fun. The show is called Distance Frequencies Transmission. It runs through July 31st. Awesome. Nice. Um, Thank you. Is that the fastest turnaround you've ever had from being hired to being on stage? Not in a professional setting. Okay. Uh, there, was, there was a play I jumped into about six years ago that was at uh, my old school, the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts, and th these were the graduate students, and they were looking for an actor uh, to replace one of their students because he pulled out um, and uh, for reasons. And I jumped in. It was during tech, too. It was during tech. And the funny thing is about... This show, this current show, and that other show, which was a series of vignettes, in one of the vignettes, I had this huge monologue. And thankfully, I got to book with that in time. In Distance Frequencies, um, I have a huge monologue that opens the show. And so I was like, oh, okay. I said, I hope my, my wheels and cogs are still oiled mm -hmm. and working. Right. So, th so thankfully, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. I, you know, using my artisanal insect repellent. And I say artisanal because the bug spray purports itself to be organic. Uh, quote unquote. Uh, so I, <laughs> so I've been dealing with that. I've been dealing with that and making sure the bugs stay off me. But it's been a great time, and it felt like no time has passed really in terms of my being off stage uh, in this area because my last legit gig was, um, you know, being in live in person theater. So it was two years ago when I was in Cincinnati, Milwaukee, doing two trains right. running. Right. So, Frank, did you do anything like, did you do any virtual productions over the past year and a half? I did. I yeah. did only one, uh, which was a production of The Devil's Disciple with the Washington Stage Guild, uh, Sean. Okay. So that, that was a lot of fun. That was a yeah. lot of fun. We, that was the only Zoom production mm -hmm. I did. And then there was another... For a friend's company in New York, I did a number of one-off things like workshops every sure. few months or a month. It was like one, one Saturday. Uh, so that's been primarily it. And just um, podcast interviews here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I ask because you're one of the first people that I've talked to. I mean, people are just getting back to doing live things. So I haven't, I haven't really talked to anybody that's been doing something in front of a live audience. And I guess just like after the, that's the thing that I've been missing the most is like seeing, you know, getting to see everybody's reactions and feel like the reactions together. And um, I'm, I guess I'm just wondering like what it's, I don't know, wh how has it been different for you? You know, like doing something virtually doing something in person and oh. There's nothing like in-person theater. Yeah. I, I, I will be the first to tell you, Megan Harrison, I, it was kind of, you know, watching like streaming stuff, you know, being Zoom and everything. It was, for me, it was kind of a challenge to get used to in the very beginning. I mean, totally. I, I love, I love yeah, streaming oh, yeah. theater. Uh, you know, I love streaming theater. I love 
you know, when you film a production, and, which reminds me, I need to subscribe to Songs for a New World, so I need to yeah. hurry up and get my, t- I need to hurry up and get my tickets. <laughs> but I, you know, it, it's, it was like, you know, I would see these things and I'm, I'm so thrilled to see everyone doing their thing, like I always am. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to get back on stage if someone will have me. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I can't wait mm-hmm. to, you know, just be in the room. And with this show, uh, with Distance Frequencies at Rorschach, uh, lots of people, you can, I can, because I, there's some direct address to the audience. Uh, well, mm-hmm. my monologue at the top of the show was direct address. And so looking at them, I can tell they're happy to be back. And they're just sitting out on the lawn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with their lawn chairs and everything. But it's, and then at the very end of the play, I kind of interact with them. So they, they're, I can tell, it's almost like, uh, like an energy that you can feel mm. that they are happy to be back seeing live theater. Yeah. And uh, it's been great. It's been great. So I'm just hoping, you know, this was my happenstance with Rorschach. So, and, and, and that came in under different circumstances. But I'm like, oh, I hope, you know, folks <laughs> bring me back up. And I just did right. the Just Arts Festival um, up at Only uh, this past mm-hmm. Friday uh, right. with my dear Kevin McAllister and a whole bunch of folks. It was so much fun. The only thing was I couldn't stick around for the festival. I was the, I was the first to go. I performed Red slash Red, an excerpt of a very famous James Baldwin essay, something I've always wanted to do. Cool. Was to read his words out loud. Thank you. But I had to immediately dart out to get mm. back from Olney to DC for distance frequencies. Mm. <laughs> and, and so it was like, oh, I was, so it was like kind of, it was like kind of, that was a whirlwind day. Uh, but I was glad that everything was accomplished. I did arrive to the show a few minutes late. Um, actually, yeah, we, so they started late, a little late. And uh, so folks were sitting out on the lawn and, and uh, yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I, uh, I, I'm very interested to talk because you have, I mean, you're like kind of a, a staple. You've been in this scene for a long time. You have a lot of, of you've seen this scene grow and change and evolve. Um, do you know how many productions you've done in D.C.? Total? I mean, I know that's uh, probably an insane ask, but I, I'm always so interested in talking to you. You're like encyclopedic memory for production shows you were in, stuff like and that. And people. And like, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. Well, you know, some of the stuff about uh, the artists I already know and have long known, very occasionally there will be random facts I would discover about them and things I would learn, and then I would be like, oh, okay, and I would just put that into my bank. Uh-huh. Um, but the... Oh, you know, I stopped counting a long time ago. I think the I think the count I think the last time I counted and this was in addition to uh the productions outside of the DMV that I've done, which have only been a few. I can only count on two hands, not even two hands, the number of out of town shows I've done. I th- I remember the last time I counted, it was about seventy. Wow. Ooh. And this is counting, like, you know, productions with short runs, but it was still professional theater or, like, you know, fringe shows. So I counted all of them because I was like, anytime yeah. I was on stage, I'm counting it. You know, I didn't count readings or anything because I've done countless readings. Um, but the, yeah, I, I think the last time it was about all 70 or almost 70. And it's, it's most likely more than that now. 
Wow. And uh, it's, it's been, uh, yes, yeah, so now I'm going to go back and count. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you get involved in, in performing, especially around here? Like, I mean. Well, you know, uh, being a DC native, uh, right. I mm -hmm. spent my formative years in both DC and literally a step over the border into Highsville, Maryland. Uh, but I've been back in DC proper nearly 20 years now. And uh, so I've lived more of my life in D.C. than anywhere else. And back then, you know, when I was in school, I remember a few, and I've told this story a few times on other podcasts. Um, I wanted to be a film composer first. I, I love acting, love actors, love TV and film and all, uh, and theater. But I didn't think uh, from the time I was much younger that I wanted to be an actor. I just... It, it never crossed my mind for some reason. And, but I do remember the first play I ever saw. It was a production. I was in kindergarten. So this was in 1984. <laughs> and I saw a production of a play called, uh, I think, I believe it was a kid's production. It was theater for young audiences. Uh, one of those types of plays. And it was Commedia dell'arte based from what I remember. And it was a play called The Golden Goose. And it was like a traveling troupe of actors that I think went around performing this, if I remember correctly. And the one, there were, it was a small cast, a group of guys, and one woman. And she was the only person I remembered from the production because she was tall and she wore kids and heels. And she was tossing guys around the stage. She was the one, the one character that like held her own. And it's like the, the strongest one that I remember seeing. And, uh, and the prop was like this big golden goose, the golden goose, which was like a stuffed animal or something. Uh, so that's the, I remember that's what the first play I saw. How I got into it, I, I came out to the proverbial crossroads, if you will, when I was 19 and a half. I was training to go to the Berkeley College of Music. I was training in preparation for that, which would have already taken me a number of years. So I was, I was uh, training with a teacher who lived way out in Potomac, Maryland. So I traveled out to her place and took lessons, and that didn't go very long. I, like so piano day, lessons? Piano lessons. Okay, uh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I began training on the violin when I was seven, I believe. And then I, went, uh, then I began training on the piano when I was in high school in earnest. And then um, I just, one day I was like, maybe I should, I literally just said, why don't I just train for an acting career and see where that takes me? So I just started looking around for schools. This was before I was like really active on the internet. So I was looking in the paper. Hmm. And uh, then, I, then I found uh, the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts in Georgia. I was about to go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I was about to apply there. Uh -huh. Then I said, um, I, should, I need to find something local. Uh, actually, no. The first acting class I took was at STC. Uh, mm -hmm. This was 21 years ago. Wow. Yep, 21 years ago. So I took my very first acting class there, did the entire class every Saturday for three months. And then I was like, oh, I should... I should continue doing this. I think there might be something there. And then I found the conservatory in the paper and then went to their open house and auditioned, got in, uh, did the program for the entire two-year program and couldn't do the graduate's program because I couldn't afford it. So I went professional four months after 
I graduated. But in that time, I was coming back as a guest artist to working with other students in their productions or, or rehearsal projects, as we call them. And uh, yeah, and then I went professional. Yeah, it'll be 20 years ago in January that I signed my first professional contract. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. What yep. do you what what do you feel like is like the secret to longevity because i feel 20 years to like stick this out is a long time um especially when in something that can be so fickle and you know as, as we've really like has been emphasized over the past year and a half you know um mm -hmm. so yeah what's your what's your secret what's uh, some tips i would say one <clears throat> definitely you know we also use the word passion that gets employed a lot, but I don't hear this word often, and I, this is my philosophy. Uh, it's enthusiasm. You got to have mm -hmm. an enthusiasm for it. You, you got to have, and I hear, you know, love, you got to have a love for it. Very true. Not the same, you know, the same feelings about that, but the enthusiasm. I've been, I've been, you know, I didn't get cast in everything. I don't get cast in everything. I've, um, their roles I've, I've wanted, that I've lobbied for hard, and I try my best to have, do the best I can do in auditions, still didn't get them. Uh, that, I never once thought of quitting. I've never once thought of giving this up because I've invested way too many years and too much time and established so many working relationships and friendships, and, and that all of that is very important to me. Mm -hmm. I, oh, there was something else that was right on the edge of my brain and I just lost it. But this, <laughs> a lot of it is just keeping your drive up. Oh, and I will say, during this pandemic, um, you know, there are times I've become slightly pessimistic and unmotivated when it comes to, you know, because I, I say to myself, oh, this entire time, I could be memorizing the monologues from my repertoire. Mm -hmm. And I've done, I've accomplished that with a few, but I didn't feel I was motivated enough. And I think that was be, just because of world circumstances, you know, sure, of course. and I had to not be disappointed in myself for that. So I had to learn. You know, I spent a lot of the pandemic alone. So thankfully, with the um, advent of social media, I was able to keep in touch with everyone. Hence why mm -hmm. you always see on Instagram, you know, responding to y'all's <laughs> stories or you know, hitting a react every now and again or sending a message. Uh, it was just nice to keep up with everyone. And uh, when I did start seeing people in person after such a long time, it didn't really feel like no time had passed. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's been a good thing. But I, I will say in terms of like longevity, just enthusiasm, uh, positivity, that's, a, that's another thing. I know that this business can be tough. It is tough. But I, for me, I prefer to not focus on that so much. It's very easy for all of us to do in this business. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. And that's almost like a, a natural thing that because there's so much rejection in this business, but as long as you keep up your level of enthusiasm and your drive and your goals, you know, to 
work with an actor or a company that you really wanted to work with, or to just simply tell the story of a playwright you admire, or just to simply work. <laughs> I'd say all of that, I think, are the keys uh, for me. Uh, they're, they're the keys to just keeping yourself going, keep doing the work, and having fun, and having fun. Yeah. Have you been like a long time? I mean, you say like you saw your first show in kindergarten and one of my favorite, like one of, and you also talk about keeping in touch with people over social media. One of my favorite things is your like birthday posts to <laughs> the great performers, both like, you know, both locally and just globally and of all time. And so I guess like, have you always been, and like we talked about, you have an encyclopedia brain for this kind of stuff. Have you always been drawn to like certain performers or were there certain performers that inspired you from a young age? Oh, or... yes. Oh, oh, oh yes. Uh, the people that you see, the top posts are all people that uh, inspire me or have inspired me for a long time, for mm -hmm. a long time. Or like the newer folks who just come out, you know, over several years, I I go, oh, wow, they're awesome. I love their work. And then I follow their work, and then I keep up with right. them. And, right, right. Uh, but with the, I would say, yeah, it's all, for me, it's all about people whose work inspire me and who, who inspire me, whether through their work or anything else, uh, their mm -hmm. activism, or, uh, you know, and with regards to, um, my the local performance, you know, my friend, these are all friends of mine, and right. I and I um, try my best to shout them out as much as I can too, because I just love birthdays. So I think that's why. <laughs> and I just, I just started posting those collages because um, you know back in the day, because I, now my collage craft has evolved a bit. But I um, I just did that because I was like, oh, you know, I just like. Just showing, just showing honor and respect to the folks I love. And I, I try my best to get my friends in there as much as I can. Um, because sometimes it, it could be a lot because you're looking for the right type of pick or something. And these are sure. not picks I've taken. So I, and, uh, so I just try to like, you know, put things together and go, boom, okay, there you go. Happy birthday, y'all. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, but you just speak about like enthusiasm for like creating and creators. And I, I don't, I see that. Like when you make these posts, like just that they're like the way to stay enthusiastic about this is to be like invested and celebratory of your tribe and of the people. So all of those Absolutely. like little, you know, that, that just really resonated with me and kind of, that's what it made me think of the birthdays. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Meg. I didn't even think, I didn't even think of it that way, honestly. Well, I, just thought, I just thought it was my keeping up my tradition, but yeah. <laughs> I also really love too that like the, that there is like an equal like love and celebration and respect of artists that you know personally too, which you know that I think um, that, that, that can get overlooked at times, you know, giving, giving the props and the love and the respect to the artists that we know and are right in our backyard. Oh, absolutely. Um, because having been on the scene for so long and have gotten to know the artists who've been on the scene longer than I have, you know, I look to them as, and some, and a number of them I've had the great privilege to work with. You know, I look to them as mentor teachers mm -hmm. and influences on my work all the time. 
and I go see their work. I'm always excited to go see the work, and, and that goes for them and anybody, anybody, you know. And I just go to, you know, that's why I'm so excited to go back to the theater uh, on the regular because I'm like, you know, as an audience member, because I go yeah. to be educated and entertained. I go yeah. and I learn and, you know, just to, just go to be inspired every time. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, with the, the birthdays, uh, with the birthday posts, I, it just warms my heart. And every time, because y'all are not the first to actually say how much y'all love the birthday collages. Sometimes I get a message or two about that. Other times, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I was having it was having that much of an impact on anyone. So I, I really appreciate this. And I thank y'all. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Of course. Of course. So, I, so, so I'm just looking, you know, just to go back and go back in the theater and just be inspired. And you know, not and I was seeing the same stuff on, you know, on Zoom and feeling the totally. same way. So I'm um, just looking forward to that and just hoping folks. Don't forget about me <laughs> when it comes to testing. <laughs> of course. A universal course. fear. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, right, right. <laughs> I, 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 I must ask, because I'm sure you've seen the scene grow and change and evolve. And certainly, um, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years, even the scene has uh, shifted massively. Can you kind of talk about like how maybe the scene looks different and uh, has grown since the time when you first got in? Like, uh, like maybe like what are there companies that like, I mean, obviously companies come and go, oh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. But like kind of the difference in the landscape between then and let's say like pre right pre pandemic, because the landscape right now, we really, it's hard to say what everything looks like. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, there were, you know, there were a lot of uh, companies, like smaller companies around. Right. And I've worked, like early on in my career, um, some of my shows were with companies where I did their only two productions and they went defunct or their only production <laughs> and they went defunct. Yeah. So, I, so I've had experience on that end. And then I started working... Uh, knock on this hollow thing, I started working more (laughs) regularly with the um, more established small professional companies uh, as time went on. And uh, so it has changed in the sense of companies come and go. Um, Has it been a similar layout of like, you know, there is this kind of, there is a very prevalent large scene of kind of these bigger uh you know union houses and then there's still this very small this very equally as vibrant thriving non-union theater scene around here has that always kind of been the case what uh i've seen in my experience yes okay cool uh they because you have the companies around town who the small professional companies who have been around for a long time and they're you know, cranking out the seasons and and having had experience in both the um, small professional and the larger houses, that uh, it's like definitely with the small professional scene, it's still just as vibrant. You know, oh companies, yeah, companies mm-hmm. are still going. Hence Rorschach. You know, they they're um, they've been around, I believe, since nineteen ninety nine. 
And, well, yeah. uh, and please correct me, Randy and Jenny, if I'm if I'm mistaken. But I, I think it's, I think it's 1999. And we'll I, get you in the in the post. We do a post like fact check <laughs> we'll on the show. We'll oh, go. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I first worked with them. They cast me in my first show in 2003. Cool. Uh, with them. And uh, so, yeah, definitely, because uh, most of my career uh, so far has been with the small professional companies. But now then, that's I'm equity, that it's, uh, I have to focus more on the larger houses and, um, and see what happens. I'm just going to, you know, because I'm, I'm not young, uh, young-ish anymore, that it's, uh, of course, you know, like in the grand scheme of things, I'm still young. Oh, yeah. But of course. Uh, you know, in terms of the business and, and um, it's like, oh, yeah, I've been out for minutes. It's like, oh, okay. I'm, and thankfully, I'm aging into these roles that I really want to go for, which is really cool because I began my career playing older people all the time. <laughs> A lot mm. of the time, I was playing older people or just old people, which was fun. But uh, now it's kind of like this reverse thing has happened where I'm playing within my age bracket or slightly older, but for some reason, for me as an actor, I I I have the oddest oddest time going younger, unless it's a unless it's in the script where you have to do that uh, of a play. But for some reason, I always have to stay like my age range and up. Uh-huh. <laughs> but for some reason, it's um, and, you know, I'm not I'm not an actor that. I can say, oh, I can do anything. Uh-uh. It's like I, I definitely know what I can, can do, what I can challenge myself to do and see how I do it. And then other things, it's like, no, I don't think I'm right for that. So I'll, I'll you know, leave that to another actor that can, you know, tackle that. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like, uh, you know, people will say like, oh, you're an old soul. Does that resonate with you? Or have you gotten that like a lot in your life? It's just a lot of people that say they're cast in like these older roles when they're younger are often like, I don't know, just kind of perceived yeah. that way. And I wonder if you identify or if that resonates with you. Oh, absolutely. I've gotten yeah. that a number of times. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Did you get that? Did you get that when you were like, uh, like a like a teen and a child too? Because I know a lot of people get that. Like, my sister is someone who people have said is an old soul, like forever, since I can I, remember. I remember hearing that a few times mm-hmm. when I was when I was in my teens. Uh, I didn't hear it so much, um, but I I know as I've gotten older, I heard I heard this maybe a few times in my twenties and and um but not very often mm-hmm. not very often i do say though it's so funny because i always jokingly say because if someone asks my age i'll tell them my age and then i say you know actually i was born 75. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh, i kind of want to circle back to something that we like touched on very briefly which is your affinity for dc as a city because you've lived here mm-hmm. for so long can you talk about sort of like what growing up was like in dc for you oh the yeah i lived in dc until i was eight okay and then i moved back to dc proper when i was 20 24. i i didn't 
and I was never far from DC. I was always in and out. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it was, so it was like I, I never lived too far into Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I was. I but know, you've always been like, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just saying you have always been DMV. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I do know that like some areas of DC that are very well known now due to gentrification. Of course. Uh, places like 14th Street, U Street, mm-hmm. uh, H Street, um, parts of town that's back in the 80s, early 90s, you know, even Adams Morgan, where I'm from originally, uh, Adams Morgan, Mount Pleasant, that um, they were different. They were very different. And because I know back in like the days of 14th, uh, it was, for lack of a better word, it was dangerous. So now, so now things have changed over time. And of course, you know, it uh, doesn't help seeing this uptick in violence in the city uh, this summer, which has been um, just uh, beyond beyond um but it's it reminds me almost of how it was 30 years ago seeing things you know seeing the news reports all the time and things like that's happening but in terms of things changing definitely seeing the certain neighborhoods and certain parts of town yeah uh definitely um yeah, I'm like, oh, look, look at all these condo buildings. Mm-hmm. I know it starts to kind of look ridiculous too. I yeah, mean, like, there's everywhere. certain areas of DC that look insane now. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> everywhere. They're almost unrecognizable. Uh, but at the, you know, it's it's like ah, oh, I was like, oh yeah, another condo building. Yeah, I, I want to see mm-hmm. like you know somebody, somebody build another theater space or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> what do you think's like kind of at the heart of that makes DC special? To, to, to you like if someone were to ask like what is what is like in the beating heart of dc that um gives you it's kind of love your love for it etc well one example uh for me is go-go music mm. and my uncle my maternal uncle is like the ultimate go-go fan you know and i grew up listening to him listen to go-go music because he would blast it in the house and i uh yeah i'd say go-go music definitely um some people say mumble sauce um but you know definitely go-go music um yeah i i know there's something else that um you know i have i have fond memories of going to dc public schools growing up elementary yeah. schools i was gonna say are there places and, in dc that render met like memories that you can say like this is a really special place where i remember hmm. right offhand no because it's it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of uh, it's been like a broad sure sure uh, sure, sure. Love. sure it's been like a broad love all these years of, like, of course that um you, know, you just happen to go into like during the pandemic certain areas and parts of town which i would always frequent i never did during the entire pandemic i I was just in the house and then just recently i was back up in the dupont area and i'm area i hadn't been over here in 
an entire year, uh, a, a year and some change. And so it's been, like, I'd say places like that, like certain neighborhoods and parts of town that will always stand out as like special places for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, right off, I don't have a singular spot. That's that was a big ask. I I understand. Um, <laughs> if, you know, uh, I was trying. I was, I was trying to keep it. I was, and then I said, "Oh, I still have to make it as detailed as I can." <laughs> <laughs> um, I I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, I was going to say you you said you know you spent the last year like pretty much inside and also alone. And so, what were some I don't know. How do you keep yourself like as somebody that is so extroverted and like such a people person? How did you deal with that? What were kind of your cope ways that you coped and kept afloat? You know, I discovered a while ago, a long time ago, that I'm an ambivert. And that's okay. someone, yeah, that's someone who's both intro and extra. And yeah. um, definitely with the pandemic. Um, it was more relying on my skills as an introvert that sure. I said, okay, how do I cope? How do I get through? You know, I'm currently writing a solo play, which um, I hope to finish soon. Um, putting, a, putting a call out to the uh, theatrical deities to help me because I, <laughs> hit a bad, I hit a bad case of writer's block. Mm. And um, or shout out to First Stage for reaching out to me for this solo commission. So I'm uh, currently working on my latest draft of my solo play. So, and, so exciting. Uh, uh, thank you. And I've never written a play before, so I'm like... Oh, it's going to be my that, next question. Have you written like that before? No. Okay. No, wow, no, wow, wow. And, 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 I, uh, and that's, that's definitely proven to be a challenge. Because some actors can just write. Um, mm. Me, I'm so used to, and I used to write for my school paper back in the day in high school, <laughs> and uh, I was a film critic. I was a critic back then, mm. and um, back in high school, but, you know, the doing, the writing a play uh, has proven to be such a great challenge, and uh, one I was very much up for, but I didn't realize uh, how challenging it would be for me, for someone who's never written a play, let alone sure. a solo play, and I love solo plays. Uh, but I, because I've been so used to performing other playwrights' words that mm. I had to kind of take myself out of my actor brain for a while during the pandemic and go, okay, you know, I can. Um, so that's been my, my main thing. And that's been kind of keeping me busy. Um, also trying to, you know, keep motivated to look for work uh, as things reopen. Uh, so that's another thing, because I have a whole stack of headshots uh, that I haven't even used. <laughs> right. <laughs> that I just got right before the pandemic. Shout out to DJ Corey Photography. I had just got to, you know, the, these headshots. I was ready to go. And, uh, and my last audition, which was uh, like a double audition that day, triple, actually. The next week, the pandemic hit. And whew, so I was like, you know, how do I keep myself going? How do I keep the enthusiasm for this business and my work? And how do, you know, I don't get discouraged. So that's been, that's been a challenge in a sense. But when I, when I was navigating pretty smoothly, but I did have my days of pessimism saying, 
Hey, is everybody gonna cast me again? <laughs> like, is like, like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very hard. I mean, especially like over the past year, you know, just kind of not knowing where. Now there's like obviously we're at kind of at the light at the end of the tunnel, and but uh, there was a while there where it was just kind of like you're alone with your thoughts and no like course of action, no sort of plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, it's cool to hear that like pouring yourself into something and like a new venture at that has been mm-hmm. you know kind of uh uh what's the word i'm looking for like a balm for or like uh what's, yeah i don't know yeah. something that kind of helps heal yeah. that yeah yeah i, I kind of want to ask about writing a bit because i think that's really interesting um and exciting to be like writing for the first time and writing for yourself right you're going to be performing the piece um did you have an idea that you brought to first stage where you approached and then like kind of how did the conceptualization of the piece uh, come about for you? Uh, they approached me. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, it's been gestating in, in my mind for a number of years. Um, a friend of mine, and you know, I've had friends encourage me, you know, you should write your own play, you should write your own play. And this has been happening over time. Uh-huh. Uh, I never, I never told anyone at first stage I wanted to, you know, write about solo play. I never said anything. I, I've been to their uh, Logan Festival, uh, which is really cool, and because uh, they bring playwrights from all over the country with their solo plays, and I saw one of them a couple of years ago, and I loved it. Uh, it was Brian Kihada's play, um, and I don't want to get to the name of his play wrong. It was something along the lines of uh, his play had the word bus in it. It was like, he sits at the back of the bus, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember loving his play. And, uh, and then two years later, uh, once, yeah, I want to say two years later, they reached out to me and, and um, offered me the commission. I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, oh, yeah, it's time to tell my story, you know, as of now. And uh, there's a first look of it you can see online on First Stage's YouTube page. And it took me forever to come up with a title of the play. It took me forever. I feel like that's the hardest job. Yeah, it took me me forever. Like, it's that title list for months. And then Mm -hmm. right when uh, my first look was approaching, um, Ariel, who works at First Stage, asked me, she said, "Do uh, do you have a title? And I got back to her and I said, Yes, I finally do. <laughs> and so I <laughs> and um, it's it's still coming. It's still coming. Um, it's been there are days when you know I have uh, and I've received you know great tips from a mentor of mine in my cohort and our writers cohort, uh, who's been, who's my co-director for Jesus Hot BA Train, Juan Villa, mm. who's uh, writing his own solo show. Uh, his He's written the solo show before, a few, I believe, and he's working on one now. And so I've been, um, he and I have talked, you know, in terms of uh, guiding me along the process because I, I was like, I'm a first time playwright. I, you know, it's what to focus on in the play. Like, I've completely had to change, uh, which, how should I say, the focus or the narrative of the piece to make it a little more general and a little more universal instead of just focusing on this one thing. And because I began just focusing on uh, this 
um, incident that happened to me seven years ago. Uh, and that was the, you know, the attack. And then I was focusing on that and the love I received and gathered from my community mm. and how they rallied and took care of me. And then I, but then it, I realized there's not, I couldn't fit that into an entire play. And so I had to not only mention that, talk about that, but then you, and then focus on love itself and how we as people receive it, give it, accept it, uh, or, you know, or uh, are apprehensive to it for one reason or another. It, so that's been kind of my shift with the piece and i'm saying all this and i'm like oh it might change you know <laughs> of course yeah of course but but i but i i think i i shifted in the right direction with it because i didn't want to focus too much on the um the attack itself because because lots of people already knew about it lots of people these days don't know about it because it was seven years ago and uh i i wanted to just keep coming from a place of love and not big things in my end, you know, so morose or maudlin, because it's very, you know, when you talk about things like that, you know, as for me as a writer or someone writing it, I can just get stuck in that and didn't want sure. to focus too much on it. Um, because we all know it happens. A lot of us know what happens. So I was like, hey, I could talk about that, mention that, and then focus on what happened after and what happened or what has happened in currently in terms of how we all feel about love and how you know even talking about the pandemic and mm -hmm. how that's how that's helped people evolve or not and um i tell you with the the pandemic itself it's you know, you you already you already said it, Meg, uh, to be alone with your thoughts. I think that's one way <laughs> I evolved. Is mm. <laughs> definitely you be alone in the thoughts, and you know, I'm sure that so many of us would like that. But yeah, I'm just um, I'm just hoping, you know, with what's currently happening with the the Delta variant and how that's putting things in jeopardy now um, with everyone that you can get that under control and we can yeah. keep moving forward because uh you know i i was taking the pandemic so seriously you know when it first kicked off that uh, and up until i got vaccinated my first vaccination where i was like i'm not going out to the house unless i need to i was coming in uh removing all of the streets clones and showering and then putting on something else and changing mm. into that I was barely talking to my neighbors. You know, I was just interacting with them. I'd say, hey, how you doing? And I'd go in the house. Like, they knew I was, like, in hermit mode the, mm -hmm. <laughs> the entire time. Mm -hmm. And then, as you know, once I got my first vaccination, I'm like, oh, okay, I can feel more comfortable by being out in the street. Then after I got my second one, I was like, oh, it feels nice to be around folks again. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels nice. And I went to a gathering recently, and it was just like, oh, okay. I was, I've been to a few. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is cool. It's nice to be around folks again. And, and like, you know, we're all social creatures. We all, you know, especially, you know, being, uh, funnily enough, a lot of us artists, actors, aren't, but a lot of us are. And mm -hmm. so, that, um, so that was really cool just to be 
around and seeing folks do their thing. And so, yeah, I'm just still taking it one day at a time. And um, yeah, I think some of that will figure into the place somewhere. Well, it sounds like it's kind of, I mean, the way you're talking about like your own kind of like evolution over the year, you know, being alone with your thoughts and like maybe having the centerpiece, like being some an, an experience that was like extremely personal. And it, and as you're, I don't know, as you were able to like see people and go out into the world, kind of like rediscovering what the the community and the love and the support that was also present in the aftermath of the incident. And I don't know, it sounds like the, 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 your trajectory over the past year kind of mirrors the trajectory of like how this, how the, your play has evolved. Um, uh, you know, just you. in terms of what was the centerpiece and now what the, the incident being the centerpiece and now like love and community and, you know, being the centerpiece and that yeah, just yeah. being like a, a point, a perspective point. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm so, I'm so excited to see it. Wow. I thank you thank for sharing you. so much about it. Absolutely. I think that's so cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, um, I realized when you share a personal story, when it comes to writing a play, sometimes you may not realize how universal it can be. Sure. And, of course. Uh, that's something I, I've always known, not necessarily about myself in my play, but like seeing other things and other solo works and plays over the years. I was like, oh yeah, you know, because I looked at my journey with dealing with the pandemic, not to get too metaphorical, was like sailing a rough sea and not mm -hmm. giving into the currents, but just being careful mm. and just, and just yeah. watching, watching oneself. And um, so it was like, and just keep, I'm going to keep not necessarily coast with abandon, but just kind of just keep going, but watch myself. Yeah, yeah, take, totally. Taking, taking, taking care of myself. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's been kind of, kind of like that. Uh, I, I do know because I was like, my last show was at, I was 39, my last play. And now I haven't, now my first play back on stage, I'm 41. I'll be 42 next month. So I said to myself, you know, at the height of this pandemic, I remember I said, I'm, probably, I'm pretty sure I won't get back on stage until my early 40s sometime. I did say that. I did say that definitely. I said, oh, I, won't, I won't get back there. And that's okay. I said, that's okay. I'm going to, you know, keep doing my thing and watching others do their thing and grow. And, you know, I've seen so many great things happen with other actor friends and artists over the past year, Harrison, you with, with Mr. Seeger and, um, you know, and, and your, your music and Meg, the monuments. So I, I, I love seeing like all, all the folks do their thing. Um, cause it inspires me. It inspires me. And, and Harrison um, and I were just talking about this literally yesterday. We were just talking about how like, it's it's so much easier to be like invested and excited about your own work when you are like equally as invested and excited about other people's work and how you know oh, it's yeah. it makes it easier it makes this like very we were talking about you know this is this can be fickle and it can be very it's easy to get pessimistic but just hyping up other people and being curious about what people are making and how they're making it and it's amazing we were saying like you know, I, I am blown away by the fact that he and John write and 
perform and produce and they do it all in their, you know, in their apartment. Like that's, it's just kind of crazy that like all of these people that we know have so much like potential within them. Um, I feel the same way about you, Frank, like, you know, getting to see you in roles over and over again, you know, and hearing just about like your experience, the longevity of it. I, it's, it, and your like curiosity and enthusiasm for other people. It's, really inspiring like as young artists to see somebody that is so, like a seasoned person in this town uh still have that kind of enthusiasm because we, it's not it's not present in everybody and you know it's oh. not like not everybody is a cheerleader and a hype man the way that we see you lead by example mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, yeah i love to call a hype man i love well it's like the most exciting thing ever to watch to watch you, you mentioned it about shows earlier um Frank about like how inspiring seeing shows is. I mean, for me, like nothing makes me like hit the books harder than like seeing a show where people are destroying, like where they are crushing, like nothing will make me be like, all right, time to go get to work. Like people, Mm -hmm. people are like lighting the fire back at me of like, Oh, there is like, there's innovation happening. There is like, uh, you know, new depths being hit. I'm watching one of the most exciting things, and I'm sure you've seen it being in town so long, is watching people's evolution creatively. Like I have been just like absolutely blown away in the small amount of time I've been in this scene, watching the way people, um, you know, have just found different ways to express their artistry, even within the medium of theater. You know, I've watched. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. So I, I had to say hats off. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, um, I look back at my work and my trajectory that uh, I go, wow, I did that. That's cool. That's happened really. Because I began my career, most of my work up until a certain point, I'd say until about 2008. So it was about the first six years. I didn't play villainous questionable characters. I played mainly decent, good, urbane, sophisticated, eccentric. That was kind of my, you know, uh, my area. Uh, And it just happened that way. And then 2008, uh, when I did the first production, the DC premiere of The Last Days of Judas Iscariot, that... um, Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, oh, you know, because no one had ever seen me like that. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then from that, doing Judas again, then Heather Gabler at uh, now Avantgarde Theater, which was formerly Washington Shakespeare Company uh, at the time. And then um, Richard III and a uh, couple of other folks. And then it, it really, you know, <laughs> really, when I did Jesus Hot the A Train. And um, that will, you know, from an audience member standpoint who's looking at my work, they would say, you know, that's the most evil or vile character you've played so far, which is true. And, um, but yeah, just like to go, yeah, I, I just love it all. If there's something I can tap into psychically or psychologically with a character, then I'm in and the physical work will come. Mm. The, what I think about the character when I'm doing the rehearsal informs 
my characters physically. And those things just happen. But, uh, you know, with I feel very similar. Epic, Worlds yeah, they help. Just, they just put it on top of you immediately. They put it on top. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like when I did uh, my first musical with you, Mr. Harrison, that was so much fun because I wanted to be in a musical. That was, now, that was something I was going out for hard. I, I, said, I wanted to do my first musical. already knew Floyd Collins. already knew the show. So I was like, oh, first thing you do Floyd Collins. Okay, I'm going to go out for this. And, you know, we know it's one of the toughest musicals of the past, like, 25 years or so. Oh, yeah. And I knew I, knew I was going to have to sing. Not a trained singer. But I, I'm one of those actors that uh, say I'm an actor who occasionally sings and can sure. move. And uh, so I, but I love musicals. I love musicals and, and I loved the role. I had a great time. Had my, my first solo. Mm-hmm. Because I'd been like, you know, in musical moments and plays prior to that, having done plays with music. But um, this was like the first out and out musical. And, you know, getting to create a role and uh, create the characterization, rather, that it was just such a special experience. And I wound up doing two more musicals consecutively uh, after Floyd. So, and they were all very different. It was Black Nativity at Theater Alliance and then The Precious Snow White at iStage, Imagination Stage. And, it, you know, Precious Snow White was a world premiere hip-hop musical for children. Right. And, and I did more dancing and acting. Um, but that was so much fun. You know, I, I just loved, you know, I didn't do my first children's show until then. That was my first. Oh, wow. Show. Yeah. And, and to go kind of back to back like that, a first musical, and then you go into doing first children's show, which are like two very mm-hmm. special, unique theatrical mm-hmm. experiences to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Oh, man. Floyd was such a special group of people it together. Was. I loved that cast so it, much. I, I do too. And it was just such a great time. And um, yeah, look, I thought about it the other day. I kind of have this similar Floyd beard because I had this full pandemic beard that was going on. Mm-hmm. And then I, it got lower and lower because I got too style happy with it. And so I've, I've been whistling, I whistled it down to like a stash. I said, okay, <laughs> now I can't do this. I have to grow it back. So I'm currently growing it back now. So that's why no one's seeing any selfies of me. <laughs> cause I loved, I, cause I loved, that was one thing I loved doing. I just love showing off my beard. And, oh, yeah. if I, and, if, and if I was like, you know, and I'm not vain or anything by any means, but I was like, oh, I'm wearing, the, I'm wearing a cute t-shirt today. This is healthy for everybody. And then I, uh, and that was also my way as I discovered. It was also my way of just letting folks know that I was doing okay. And I know that with social media, you know, everything you see is not real, everything. But what you see, what you saw from me on that day was how I was feeling, how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, once this gets back full, then, you know, folks will see it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I'm, um, when I look back at my work, and the things I've accomplished and the achievements, I've been very, very fortunate, very privileged, very blessed, very thankful, very thankful and grateful. I will say one, I'd say a secret to longevity, one, I don't want to say cannot or should not, but one has to be thankful and grateful for every opportunity in this business. I agree. Whether it's, whether it's be a reading, whether it's be an audition, because that, because <laughs> there, you know, I, you know, there's some folks who are in some companies in town that I still have yet to work with, you know, 
that um so i'm i'm like anytime i get a chance to audition it's like oh yeah so i look at every moment as coming from a place of sincere gratitude if it's someone referring me for an audition whether someone invites me to an audition or referring me to for a gig or offering me a gig outright always thankful always grateful even if i can do it or not because of like scheduling or something sure that's i'm always grateful and uh and if it if it doesn't work out this time hopefully it works out the next time with that person you know it's like oh you can't give me this time hopefully you can get the next time but it's um i look back and i go wow yeah i'm very proud of myself i'm very proud of what i've done how do you Oh, I just want to say, I did, I, this is a trick of Zoom. That's the trick of Zoom. Um, I just wanted to real quick, I mean, we spent a, a good amount of time looking backwards. And, you know, I, we talked about it earlier, you're not, a, you're not an old guy. You got a ton left to show us. I'm very excited. What is like, what are roles that like, when you look ahead at your future and your career that you're like, I, I simply must do this role? Cool come hell or high water and then what are like what are the things you envision for the future of your career as you enter this kind of like you talk about like there being kind of a shift into this next phase right of like yeah what are you kind of looking forward to um simply simply working there uh i i just (laughs) because there's so much that we've all dealt with over this past year in terms of you know the theatrical landscape changing the discussions that the much needed discussions that um have been going on that you know i I, i'm definitely wanting to just get back to simply working but also keeping all of that in mind and going in you know with that with that sense um you know, in terms of roles, there have been a few. There have been a few. Definitely more the the uh, men of August Wilson. Uh, I, uh, definitely, I know there are at least a couple more I know I can do um, that uh, in the cycle that I would love to tackle. Uh, you, don't, you don't see this. Well, this play was done on Broadway about 12 years ago, but I, it's one of my favorite plays, Exit the King by Ionesco. Mm-hmm. I would love to play King Berger in the second. Uh, uh, that's such a fun piece. Um, definitely more the guys of Shakespeare. Well, I was going to say, that's like the real, I mean, I am very much looking forward to the day when like some of those big Shakespeare start landing in your life. Because oh, yeah. you've done a bunch I, of awesome ones already. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Um, I've already played Richard the uh, Third, and I would happily play him again. <laughs> uh, I would love to play Prosper in the Tempest one day. Ooh! Uh, I've done. I've played in different productions. I played my first production of the Tempest, two thousand five, Virginia Shakespeare Festival. I was Caliban to Constance Wu's Miranda. Oh! Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's awesome. Yep, that was a great time. That was a great time. And then I didn't do the, uh, thank you. And I didn't do The Tempest again until 13 years later uh, at uh, Auburn's Bard uh, with my dearly beloved Tom Pruitt. Um, he, he, I think I asked to audition or I asked to play Alonso. I said, can I play Alonso? 
And uh, yeah, so I played King Alonso in that. So, so that, and it was a lot of fun. And I, and I miss Tom so much. Um, that that was a great time. Um, yeah, definitely Prospero and the Tempest is another one. I would also love to do King Lear. Love to play King Lear himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in it with uh, with my beloved legendary Mister Rick Boucher uh, back mm-hmm. in 2017, which was a blast and a half. And I was Duke of Cornwall in that. Um, Let's see, I, I know like in Shakespeare's I haven't done. Oh, I would love to play Titus and Marcus Andronicus. Um, uh, Marcus, yeah, Titus, no, no, I'm sorry. Marcus and Titus Andronicus. His, Marcus's last name is actually Andronicus. But <laughs> and, and, maybe, and maybe Aaron. Aaron would be another great, great role because that's, that role is for the actor of color, the black actor. And... Um, He's like the blueprint for Iago and mm, um, sure. maybe a maybe Othello, but more Iago. Um, oh, they're they're quite a few. Oh, uh, well, I, maybe yeah. I would love to play Menenius and Coriolanus. You know, there there's so many roles. That, oh, Apemantis and Time in the Athens. Like there's so there's so many that just like pop into my head and go. Oh, I would love to play them. <laughs> I always did want to, I always did want to play Clarence. In Richard III, mm-hmm. but um, when WSC approached, well, Avant Bar, excuse me, Avant Bar, the person at the time, I said, Oh, can I? Because I'm a company member there as well. I said, Now play now audition for Clarence? And they said, Oh, you're playing Richard. I said, Huh? I was like, <laughs> I was like, Okay. <laughs> so that was like a fantasy role that was like deep in the, the back of my mind, something I never thought was happening. Uh, and this was 11 years ago this year. And that was a okay. lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I was 31 at the time. And I said, if I had been, I would have had a tougher time playing that role in my 20s. So I'm glad that role came when it did. Mm. And uh, so thankful. And, um, but yeah, like having done like all types of theater, everything from devised theater to, you know, avant-garde theater to guerrilla theater to children's theater to Tom Stoppard, to Shakespeare, August Wilson, you know, Robert O'Hara. It's been just such a thrill and a pleasure having done the musicals, uh, you know, that, um, you know, like the work of Langston Hughes, because he wrote the book of Black Nativity. It's like, mm-hmm. like, right. wow, mm-hmm. like having to get to do like, a, not, I want to be one of those actors that, that will say long down the road. I would have loved to have had done a little bit of everything. I'm actually quoting Catherine Hepburn, actually, uh, Miss Catherine mm-hmm. Hepburn. Um, I want to be one of those artists to say that they've done just a little bit of everything. I've done O'Neill, you know, professionally. My favorite, one of my favorite O'Neills, actually, I did uh, some years ago, uh, The Iceman Cometh. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I just like to do all the styles, all the work of the playwrights I love. I want to do all be professionally one day. Um, I've done Ibsen professionally, but having done... Gibson profession in a long time since had a gabbler at um, avant-garde. Um, shout out to my dear Christopher Henley, my beloved Christopher Henley, uh, because you know that's another company where I've that's been so instrumental in my development as an actor and an artist. WSC, you know, I keep saying WSC avant-garde theater. <laughs> uh, I did my first pinter uh, there as well, and my favorite pinter, courtesy of. Um, my beloved Tom Pruitt, I did No Man's Land there. Uh, I think, you know, another one of Owen Ford's best shows. But, um, yeah, I just love having that opportunity just to do it all, if I can, and, ha- mm-hmm. and just have fun. 
just have fun, especially if it's work that you want to do and something that you want to do. You know, I'm I'm all for it. Like, just have fun, and um, you know, I'm I'm always I'm always down with when it comes to even auditioning. Every year, when it's that uh, when it's the open call, I always I start to this tradition. I will post my my uh, they aren't rules. I don't I don't do that <laughs> for other people. I don't mm. post rules, but I will say like these are like little bits of advice, tips. I would I would post. Um, they aren't rules saying you, you should do this and all this. You know, I'll just say, relax, breathe, have fun, repeat steps one, two, and three, break legs. You know, it's mm. like, and this yeah. is gen- generally it. Uh, but um, yeah, because I want to see everyone do well. I personally do not believe in competing with other people. I'm not competing with other people. Now, you say in the grand scheme of things, like from a literal and real standpoint, from a casting perspective, I guess they could say, oh, so-and-so, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're the ones that are like, you know, in control of that. But me, I, I just don't think that way because that's one surefire way to trip myself up. If I believe I'm competing, and that's not to say I'm not competing with anyone because I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that thinks that way. It's, it's about doing what you can do to the best of your ability. You know, quoting one of my teachers, John Montgomery, way back in the day in CPA, and I've always said, and I've said this to other students, other folks are listening, you have what is unique to you. You may know what it is, you may be able to verbalize it or articulate it, or you may not, and that's okay. You can feel that. You can feel something in your aura. <laughs> the word just tickles me. Aura. You can. Aura that you emanate and that you radiate. Not to get too esoteric or new age, but... Um, I think you're onto something here, though, for it, real. Because I, I very... Thank you. I very much believe in that. I very much believe in the energy and the aura you radiate when you come into an audition setting, when you come into the waiting room, when you come into the rehearsal room, the theater space, the performance space, all, it all. It, it all, you know, it all relates because I believe in bringing your best you to any of those proceedings. And that could be just as something as simple as your good nature, your enthusiasm, your warmth, your positivity, your good humor. I, that's what I strive to bring. And I aim to do that every single time at every single setting. Like, I'll be one of those actors that will converse with you in audition. I, I usually don't initiate the conversations because I just come in and go, okay, audition, yeah, don't. I do my work at home, I'm cool, you know, yep. I have to sit relax. But then, you know, other actors will strike up conversations and that happens, or I run into friends and we talk, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do it to the minutes. But it's, it's all um, about you bringing your, for me, it's about you bringing your best you. I, in the rehearsal room, and how I work as an actor, it's not about me. It's ne- it never has been. I'm always part of a puzzle that they had to put together. So I come in and I do my best to tell the story along with everyone else. We all have different acting styles. We all have different acting methods. And I do my best always to adapt to theirs. Yep. And that comes from the listening and from, the, from being present and from just receiving, the receiving. I take in all of the elements around me, every element from the design elements, 
to what the designers did, to what a stage manager does and says, to what my director says, what my fellow actors say, what the playwright says, if he, she, or they are in the room. That all of those things help my work. They inform my work. My work is not insular. It's not done in a vacuum at all. Uh, sure. it's, it's, it's all about the world around me. It's all about the elements. Taking all that in, just from the air, you know. Right. And if your aura, like speaking to your aura, and if that is off or like out of balance, then since it's not an insular thing, collaboration, you know, requires that. Yes, all of us are like tuned in to ourselves so we can be like and so we can be serving each other to the best of our ability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it also you kind of hit on something. Um, that I've heard, you know, you, a lot of people talk about like acting is listening and responding. Right. But I've also heard um, I got to credit uh, Aaron Posner said this one time in a room in a room that like listening is an interesting metaphor, but processing is an even more interesting one. And you kind of described like, you know, the scent, I'm processing the smell, I'm processing the light changing on me. I'm really processing what's being told to me before it informs, not just listening, like taking the information fully in, being affected by the information, Mm -hmm. and then allowing that to be the informative source of what happens next. Absolutely, there are nuances in that as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the processing, is nuanced, Stephen. How do you receive a line? How do you process it when you listen and react? Does it do something to you physically? Does it create some type of gesture in your response, whether it be physical or psychological? It's all of that just happening. Mm. All of that just totally because, you know, with character work, when you create a character for me, I... And I, this is something I learned in NCDA many years ago. It's where do you lead from? Where does your character lead from? Do they lead from their nose? Do, you lead, do mm-hmm. they lead from their head? Do they lead from their shoulders or their chest or even their pelvis? It, depending on the type of play it is and what you do as an actor, um, for me, the physical life of the character is so important. And that can also include uh, or inform gesture. Uh, and I also learned as an actor, economy of gesture. Mm-hmm. That's, that's even important too. And that one takes a long time to learn. I, I still very much feel like that's an area of my work that I'm constantly trying to tune into. Yeah, economy of gesture. And that's something we all as actors, you know, we, you know, we continually learn over time and not do. Yeah. Like I know in my current show, I found myself over, you know, over kind of in terms of gesture, I found myself like, am I gesturing too much? And I had to give my, cut myself some slack because I, I just jumped in. So I said, okay, I have to go, okay, think economy of gesture, just say the line. You can keep your hands at your sides, you know, and I've done that many times. That's what we all have done. <laughs> and we also all have tricks, you know, like we yeah, all have exactly. tricks we default to. Exactly. And that uh, you can find ways that over time as an actor, depending on the shows you work on, of lessening them or getting rid of them altogether and uh, or using them sparingly. Like fats, oils and sweets in the food pyramid. (laughs) Wow. Yes, that is a wonderfully apt metaphor. They are kind of like fats, oils and sweets. 
Yeah, because you know you don't want to. You know, my my thing is uh, I don't want to bore anyone. <laughs> with, with, I know. You know yeah, I've, I've and, been and, troubled by the same thing. Yeah, I don't want to bore anyone. I don't want to go. Oh, you know. I, but then again, I don't know how folks think. But it's like, uh, oh uh, yes. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I don't want to bore anyone. I just want to keep bringing fresh stuff to my work. You know, uh, uh, surprising things. Personal and innovation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, you were talking and, about competition earlier. It's like, you know, I always think that I'm, I feel never in competition really with other people, but definitely in competition with myself for sure. Absol absolutely. Yep. And that, that's one thing I forgot to say. I'm saying, thank you, Harrison. Of yeah. You're only in competition with yourself to keep striving and thriving. You, and I say with this craft, and I've told students this because I've heard a few in years past say, oh, I just want to get better. And you don't necessarily want to get better because better, in my opinion, is an end game. It's an, it's an ending point. Yep. You want to keep evolving as, <coughs> yeah. an, as, a, as a craftsperson, as an actor. Bless you. You want Thank to you. keep, ev sure, you want to keep evolving and growing. And because you never know what the, the things that will come your way that you discover in the room or in the audition room or the rehearsal room or the performance space, you never know. So it's always leaving yourself open to the possibilities. That's my, yeah, if I could yeah. tell you that, always leave yourself open to the possibilities. And and also just like, I, I'm, I'm, I've kind of distilled it recently, and I've been thinking a lot about this of like what really, what is a goal? What is a goal with no ending, right? And how can how can I set one? And like I think something as simple for me personally, what's worked really well is like have I have an idea and execute the idea clearly, and that is like the and as long as I'm working towards getting better at those three steps, I think like. For me personally, that is a very good base, especially in, you know, any kind of creating of any sort, whether that's, you know, developing roles, um, music, stuff like that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what helps also, generally speaking, when it comes to actors and artists and their work and their craft is to have a strong sense of self-awareness. That's, that's really helps as well. Um, when you know of your capabilities, when you know what you need to work on, when you know of your strengths and areas for improvement. I don't like to use the word weaknesses, but you know area, uh, areas of your, your strengths and your, your areas for improvement, and you can work on them. Uh, it's uh, like me, I want to uh, develop my singing voice more. Because I'm getting into that character role in a musical phase. All actually, the good stuff. All the good stuff yeah, is for people yeah, over 40 yeah, in musicals. That, right, yeah, right. And, and see, and you would know, of course, and see, that's why, and I started my musical theater foray in a character role, so that was so much fun. So I was like, this is so cool. And so I want to do more of that because uh, I want to be Herbie and Gypsy one day. That's the role I want to play. Mm. That's the role mm -hmm. I want to play. Mm -hmm. they, they, need mm -hmm. a, they need a black Herbie every now and then. Like, black Herbie. Okay. Every <laughs> I'm like, I will do it to the minute. You know, I'm like, yeah, so I'm, I'm getting up there. You know, I'm getting up there towards it. So I, um, that's definitely one of those, like, bucket list roles. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's like, you know, I just want to keep keep doing it and, and um, seeing what happens. Um, you know, I've done a few. I did only one or two. I'm sorry. I did one audition via Zoom, a live audition, which was so much fun. And uh, recently, some months ago, and then I did a self-tape. I had to learn to um, 
adapt to self-taping. It's brutal. Uh, totally. It's, I wasn't a fan of it, honestly. I, I did it on tour and this last season, and I, I it's yeah. very hard on me personally to do. I, yeah. I have a really hard time with it. Me too. And I said, oh, I have to, I have to adapt because this may be, this may be part of the uh, norm when it comes to auditions when we go back to everything. Because I, yep. like, oh, I was like, oh, just put me in the room. Just put me in the room. This is so, <laughs> the energy transfer, the energy transfer, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Like, are you going to get that from a self-tape? You know, so I, when I did one recently, a few months ago, to submit that uh, I did, I went to the friend studio uh, that, uh, Shout out to Acacia Danielson and her self-tape studio. Uh, rates are wonderful. Uh, it's, a, it's fabulous. I think that was probably the best self-tape I've ever done. Mm. Um, you know, you get a backdrop and everything. So I had to, pl- I had to plug it for a minute. Um, because it, really, it helped me out a lot. Um, the, I had to learn to adapt and just say, okay, I think this will work. I'm going to keep doing it. Get better resources. You know, mm. if I can, because I was, and I did a few takes, and I had to go, okay, do I like that? Do I like that? Okay, send it off, you know. <laughs> and, right. And right, was, right. And that and part's also it. really hard, though, because you don't know, like, I always run into the thing of, like, am I editing myself too much? Are there things that I don't like that people will like? Like, which is, there's been stuff I've been in shows where I'm like, I kind of really hate this choice, and someone's like, no, please do not get rid of it. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You know, with choices, that's funny. When I, that's why you mentioned that, uh, Harrison, because when um, there are shows I've done, I did, you know, 17, 18 years ago, occasionally I would go, I should have done that, I should have played that moment so differently. And, you know, I just pop into my head and I remember something I did and I go, I should have played that moment so differently. And then you're reminded of your evolution as an actor. You don't necessarily beat yourself up over it, but right. you go, ah, if I had the opportunity, if I had the moments, you know, the, to play it again. See, I love little things like that when you think of like that. Even, you know, when we were doing Floyd, I was like, oh, I wish I had sang. I wish I had options down on that part in the song. Sure. You know, it's like, it's Yeah, like, I mean, I think like, about stuff like that all the time. I wish I had lived one more year of life before I had done American Idiot. Like, I wish I had had uh, one more year of life under my belt before I did that. And I think it would have been very different. Not that I'm not very proud of that in my heart of hearts and that holds a very special place, no, but like were, one more year. Fabulous. Oh, you thank you fabulous. very much. Thank Absolutely. You. Yeah. I was there. I was there. And, you know, and shout out to Bill Yanesh who helped me discover my vocal range. I didn't know my vocal range. And he told me, when we were doing Floyd, he told me, and I went, oh, thank you. I never knew. I never knew. I love it. And and, uh, so I, um, you know, little things like that I take from my career thus far that I'm so grateful for. Things I've learned from other actors. Like I said in my um, Helen Hayes acceptance speech a few years ago that, and it's so true, and, and I'm so glad that everyone got to hear this, but I, I said, there are so many of you in this room tonight and so many of you who aren't here tonight. Whenever I go see y'all in a play or when I work with y'all, you know, you inspire me every time. Your work inspires me every time. Y'all make me happy. Y'all are the reason why I do this, and I'm so thankful. And then I said, uh, and I dropped in a little anecdote that uh, because uh, I got this question several times over the years where people would say, you know, who, what's your favorite company that you've ever worked with? Who? And I say, anyone who casts me. 
<laughs> and that's very true. That's you know, and I said nothing but the truth. So I was glad to able to. I was glad to be able to drop that truth that night, where everyone, <laughs> everyone can hear it, because it's something I've always wanted to say. But folks know I have the love. The, the love is always there. But I just wanted folks to hear that little bit. You know. <laughs> I I love that I remember that speech. I remember that night being very very special too. I remember, um, you know, been a handful of the Helen Hayes ceremonies, and that moment of you winning is one that's burned into my brain because oh, I just remember I just remember feeling uh, the overwhelming love like from the yeah. audience pouring towards you during that it's speech true. and it's true. Uh, yeah just a really special moment that's kind of burned in my brain from that so it's interesting and awesome that you brought that up because yeah thank you i never um, thought something I mean, you know, i'm sorry no no, no please <laughs> no I, I never thought something like that would happen and um because i've been going to the event every year of my career so that was my 16th right. year going i just go and support my friends and just go for the you know drama prom theater party you know and i just go support them have fun and it's always another opportunity for me to dress up uh, with yeah. my, and you always with have my, a wonderful 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 fit at the thank, at the that's Hellenes. true that's thank true you. thank you so i you know i went kind of like thematically dressed because i said i'm going to dress like I'm partying on one of the boats here at the marina. And sure enough, I came looking like that. I didn't even think I was I didn't even think I was gonna win anything. So that was really cool. But it was just happy to be, I was just happy to be nominated for that show and that work. That was a role I really wanted. It was for Jesus Hopier Train. It was a role I really wanted. I love Stephen Atley Gurgis's work so much that um, you know it was very it was a very special experience for me that uh, I didn't think you know what happened at all. And I've said and even if that was the only one I earned. I'm happy. I'm cool. I, I, I don't need another one. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool with the one I have. <laughs> it, yeah, that must be unbelievably awesome. I mean, you know, being able to do the work is one very special thing. Getting recognized, even nominated, it, and thinking, wow, people thought this highly of this like thing that I did is amazing. And then to win in such is. an incredible category is really... Yeah. really i'm sure mind-blowing and oh it was it was such a bonus it was such a bonus just to hear my name called i mean i was happy just you know just to sit there like to see my name up there and the, <laughs> and the uh, still of the show where i was like oh cool like you know that was yeah because i didn't think you know i'm like you know accolades are cool but when you get that recognition right because you don't know what resonates right you don't know also. what resonates mm -hmm. you know people can say over and over again i loved 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 you in this loved you in that and then you don't really know what's resonating and then maybe something slips through and people catch and it hits in a different way and like it's really cool yeah, that wasn't an honorable, I mean, in terms of uh, the character, like he wasn't honorable or good sure. or decent. <laughs> I mean, it was very, you know, very much the opposite of what I would normally play. But um, it was just another chance to tap into the mind of a character and doing, you know, just doing the work as an actor. It was... You know, I didn't do a whole lot of research on the role. I didn't do, I did very little research on it. I'm not one of those actors that research a lot. Um, yeah, me neither. And, and which is, uh, it, it depends on what it is. Like, I research like little things, which yep. is why I'm so, I'm, I'm, that's why I love my dramaturgs. You know, they, you know, they'll, they'll bring in the stuff for you. They, you know, they help. Oh, out. yeah. That's, that's why I love the dramaturgs. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, as an actor, I do a fair amount of research, you know, depending on the role. But I didn't want to do a whole lot. I wanted to create that characterization from my own perspective as an actor, from my own mm-hmm. way as an actor, like, you know, different voice, different cadence of speech, different um, uh, mannerisms physically and everything. Like, you know, it was totally different, you know, even from Pontius Pilate in the last days of Judas Iscariot, another character that could be considered villainous. But these were, they were two different villains. Um, and two different, like when I played Richard III and Iago, two totally different People, folks think they're similar in one small way, in my opinion, one small way they are, but they are very different because they have mm. different motivations for their actions. Oh, right, right. And, and um, that's the primary reason they have different motivations for their actions. And like, you don't really know why Yago's doing what he's doing to Othello. You don't really know. You know why Richard is, it's very clear, but with Yago, it gives you that much more of an active challenge to say, okay, why am I doing this? I have to yeah. think about my relationship to Othello and Desdemona. And why it'll be different every time, you know, like absolutely. depending on who steps in. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, I've seen a Yago's before me. Best Yago I ever saw was Patrick Page. Mm, at sure. SCC. Best yeah, Yago he's a I beast. And I didn't play Yago until 10 years after that. Mm-hmm. But my Yago was so much different. It was, it right. was, you know, it was much more different. That's the thing, you know. You see actors take on these classic roles, these classical roles, and you know, you, you think, oh, they're fantastic. They are so awesome. And then when you're blessed with the opportunity to play that person, you go, what can I do with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is my mm-hmm. what is my personal innovation? To quote you, Harrison, what is my personal innovation to the character? What can I bring to it? So that's always like just the the fun, the fun of it all, you know? Oh, yeah. Get to play. Get to play. Frank. Yeah. Wowza, wowza, wowza. So much amazing, just like, this has been an amazing, amazing chat. And uh, we we like to, to, at the end of our episodes, do what's called the lightning round, which is lightning in name only, so you can take your time if you need to. Okay. Um, But uh, (laughs) here we go. So... I'm going to do kind of stick in theme of kind of where we've been talking. And we talked a lot about inspiration and we've talked a lot about uh, the DC theater scene. And I'm curious if there are any productions, any performances that stick out in your mind as being particularly memorable over your tenure of things that you've seen. Oh, oh, there's so many. I know. I'm sure I'm sure I just opened an absolute <laughs> Pandora's box for you. But maybe maybe just like two or three ones that stick out as being like, oh, my goodness gracious, leagues above or things that haven't left your mind. Oh. Um, one of which, well, the work of Jennifer Mendenhall. Um, I, I call her one of my theatrical mothers. I call her, She's one of my mothers. Anything she's in her work. Uh, I'm, I'm there. Anything she's in, I'm there. Uh, and I've seen in the 20 years that we've been friends that I, and I consider her a mentor teacher, I, there was one role that stood out among many that I've seen her. It was a place she was in called The Monument at Theater Lions with Alexander Strain. Uh, her work was so wonderful in that. Oh, and her work in Angels in America with Form, Parts 1 and 2. Um, oh, yeah. Just about anything Jim Mendenhall has done. You know? Hell yeah. Um, but but those, that, those performances are, are one of many that stick out. Um, 
oh my goodness, it was, oh, Kimberly Gilbert, the K of D. My Man. favorite. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. She is such yeah. a beast. I, anything yes. she's I in, I was. She's another one. She's another one whose work influences me greatly. Marie Antoinette. Um, oh my yeah. gosh. She's which I didn't everything. see. Which I didn't see because Ugh. I was out of town. I was out of town Man. in the show. She um, ate it up. I, oh my goodness. I, oh, I can imagine. I wish I could have. Yeah. Yep. The work of, work of my Kimmer Gilbert. Um, yep, KFD at Woolly. Um, I believe she was. Let's see. There's, there's so many I'm going to. There's. Um, oh, Camila Forbes, who was here years ago. Now she's become big time in theater. Mm. Uh, she was in a play called Chain. A one person show, solo show with African Continuum Theater Company. Uh, it, was a one, it was a solo show uh, directed by Kenyatta Rogers. This was about, I want to say, 15 or 16 years ago. Um, she was just, oh, she was amazing. She was amazing. And uh, yep, there's something, Jen Hammond in the Syringa Tree at Studio. She's not a local actor, but, but um, another solo show, which was amazing. Um, there's so many. Uh, who else? There's, oh, Ed Jarrow in Shining City at Studio. Yeah. Just amazing. <laughs> you know yeah, another one who really can't miss. Yeah, yeah true, yeah, yeah, true. Ed, Ed was, uh, yeah, rock stars. Rock stars. Yeah, I, still, I still remember Ed to this day was so amazing. Um, uh, Felicia Curry recently in Agnes of God at, mm. at, uh, with Factory 449. Nana, Nana Ingrosson in anything um, because she's another one who's worked. Oh, and Zoe Walpole, who was wonderful in, in, in Agnes of God. She was amazing. But Nana Ingrosson, that's another actor who, you know, I, one of the greatest, another, Dan, you talk about performances, Harrison? Her work in The Striker with Form back in 2006, directed by Kathleen Akerley. I saw the show twice. And, mm. and you know, the striker takes on all these different personas and not, <laughs> not it was just amazing. I mean, there's so many, Christopher Henley as the fool in King Lear, you know, that um, his fool was the greatest fool I've ever seen live, mm. you know, and live performance, I think generally, his fool was the greatest. So there's so many, so many people, sure. um, you know, so many people, the work of Jewel Robinson, Jefferson A. Russell, Craig Wallace, Holly Twyford, you know, uh, Kim Schraff. There's so many. Julianne Elliott, Megan Anderson. There, there's so many. There's so many. I love yeah. them all. The list goes you on know, and on. The list goes on and on and That's on. I've, I've, had, yeah. I've had the great fortune to work with some of them, and I just hope we can keep that up. My, my show son, Justin Weeks. Like his I work, was going to say that he, know, to me, is like probably yeah. one. He, his work means a lot to me. Like every mm -hmm. time I see him work, it uh it fills me in a way that like is really hard to like describe he's yeah, a beast yeah, he's yeah, a fucking yeah, right? amazing <laughs> right. you have those you have those actors out there that you have sure do so there's, there's so many there's just i mean that i just gave you a small list nancy i know Robinette, nancy robinette another, another a legend no, yeah you know it's like there's so many deirdre luan stones another one erica rose who i went to middle yes. school with that uh so Deidre, someone who i just encountered very recently like in the last yeah. two years for the first time and is really yeah. just an incredible incredible person d, d is another local icon herself and uh the work of erica rose uh she and i mm -hmm. go way back to middle school and mm -hmm. I, I don't know if she i didn't know i knew i didn't want to be an actor back then and i didn't uh know if she wanted to be an actor back then but years later you know 
and mm. just to see where she is and the work she's done. Yeah. Uh, Phenomenal. Just, yeah. Her, her, her work in, in Darfur at Theater J, oh my goodness. Mm. That, yeah, that was the first Helen Hayes Award and, and just amazing. The work of Jessica Francis Dukes, you know, um, my, one of my best girlfriends in the whole world, Makania Chester, like she's up in uh, Shakespeare and Company at, in Massachusetts appearing on stage in King Lear and, and Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown, mm-hmm. Professor Adams is her King Lear. So I'm wow. like, I'm like, what? You know, so I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just so thrilled and proud for all of my, my folks, you know, for all of my actors. You know, I, 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 I keep striving forward though, wanting to see more of us black actors Actors of color, mm-hmm. and that you know, you know, actors of color, you know, I, indigenous folks, trans folks, yeah, you know, everyone, you know, on, I want to keep seeing that representation. Lady Data Didi, my show wife, another yes. trans person, oh yeah, work, you know, that's so inspiring, and what she does, you know, that I, I look. And she all. is just like. Uh, in the last few years, even like rocket yeah. fuel. I mean, just taking yeah, things yeah. to another level. And it's yeah. she is like one of the most exciting people to watch, too. I get very, absolutely. very excited anytime her name is attached to anything. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And she, she's blowing up and, and uh, been blowing up. And I love it. I love that because I love seeing that. I love seeing folks who are out there doing the work and just having fun doing it, educating us, you know, inspiring mm-hmm. us. Right, right. That I love seeing them grow and do their thing. I don't know what I'm necessarily doing, <laughs> but I just like to, you know, you know, I, I like to think I'm, I'm doing something positive. Uh, I hope I am, you know, in, in regards to what the, the public thinks or anyone who sees my work, but I, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm, I'm doing, doing okay. <laughs> I would say so. Absolutely. I would absolutely say so. <laughs> I have a, I have another lightning round question. What yes. is your coffee order? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I only drink coffee once a day. Um, <laughs> okay. Anything, okay. So how do you take your coffee? If anything, cream, be, sugar. I have, I have this. Well, I have this thing for like um, holiday themed coffee drinks. Like I'll go. To oh. big Star- I'm not a big Starbucks person. I haven't been to Starbucks in a while. But like anytime they do like the uh, like the peppermint mocha stuff mm-hmm. or the cinnamon latte thing, but okay. generally, generally what I, I lean back on in terms of hot coffee is a caramel macchiato. That's that's so nice. good, classic. <laughs> You're right, <laughs> old school in that way. You know? um, <laughs> and our and our last question in our lightning round is um, if you could implant one piece of advice into the universe for yourself to hear. Every day, what would it be and why? You are who you are, and that's fine. I love that. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we only thank you. We only live one life. We all breathe the same air. And we, you know, it's, yeah. Acceptance is the hardest, that's the hardest thing to like come Mm -hmm. to, to like be at peace with yourself. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like sometimes the simplest and sometimes the most like difficult challenge. So that's Uh, a, mm -hmm. that's a nice, just little reminder. I love that. Thank you. Well, Frank, what an honor to have you on the show today. And thanks for sharing so much of your like amazing stories and tidbits of knowledge that you've accumulated over this career. Yeah. Yeah. Letting us pick your brain. (laughs) It was, oh, my, my pleasure. Absolutely. It was, it was 
So Thank good you. to see you. Oh, so good God. to see you. So good to see y'all. Thank you all for having me. It's good to see you.